Welcome to Bedtime Story, Adventure 2019. One chapter a day up until Christmas. Boys, are you ready? Yeah. Chapter 9. Number 8. Monday morning came, dull and grey and cold. It was the last week of term before the Christmas holidays, and it was the busiest school week that Jenny could remember. On the way out of the house, she almost forgot her football kit and had to go back upstairs to get it. Along with the frenzy of dance rehearsals, she had two football games, the last fixtures of the Autumn League, both against Rodine, first at home and then away on Thursday. The winner would be crowned league champions, and Patcham had won the Autumn League for the last three years running. But this year was Rodine's first time competing, and they, like Patcham, had won all their games so far, but they were ahead on goals scored. Rodine was a very prestigious and expensive private girls' school, and Jenny was interested to see how they played. The main thing that she had noticed when she joined the Patcham team the year before was how much more physical the secondary players were. She hadn't liked it at first, and almost stopped playing, but her captain explained that contact worked both ways, and Jenny found that she had more control over it than she thought. Dancing helped too. Being able to duck and dodge was very useful against the bigger and often slower girls. The morning buzz at Patcham High was all about exchanging Christmas cards, the royal visit, the football match, the royal performance, the carol service, and the prince and princess. Did you hear they were coming to Brighton? Everyone was excited about something. Jenny tried to focus on dance and football and block out the gossip. She didn't even see James until lunch. She made a point of swinging by table tennis before going to the football team tactics talk. James was playing with a year seven boy, Wilf. When they saw Jenny, they stopped playing. How's the head? she asked. It's fine, he said. Bled a bit after showering, but not too much. I heard an interesting bit of gossip about the royal visit at break, though. Not you too, Jenny said. I thought they were just normal people, remember? They are normal. I heard they were coming by boat, driving the royal yacht and parking at the marina. You don't drive a yacht, you sail it, Jenny said, and they'll be mooring at the marina, not parking. Whatever, but you remember that Merlina mentioned the marina too, he said. I think it might be worth investigating. The raven said we shouldn't interfere, Jenny said. Are you coming to watch the match later? Of course, go patch em. Jenny left the boys playing table tennis and found the football team in M5. Nancy led the dance group and was the captain of the football team. She was briefing the players about the afternoon's game. Number eight is their star, Nancy said. There's rumours that she trialled with Spurs under 13s. I wonder if they keep their tiaras on while they play, Charlotte said. I've heard they spend half time doing their nails. Cut the chit chat, Nancy said. We have to be serious. Expect them to be disciplined and well drilled. There's a reason why they're at the top of the league. Nancy made sure that everyone was ready to take the game seriously and told them they needed to be in the changing room half an hour before the end of school. All the teachers know to let you go early, she said. They're all going to come and watch once the bell goes. 
After lunch, the team went back to lessons. Jenny could hardly concentrate on anything in maths, and in the end the teacher had to prompt her. Jenny, Mr Coffin said, don't you have something important to be doing? What? She thought she must have missed a question about simplifying equations. Sorry, sir, what was the question? The football, he said. You're playing? Oh yes, she said. Thanks. She gathered her things and went to get changed. Ten minutes before kick-off, the home team went out to run a few drills to warm up. It was getting cold. Clouds of breath rose from the girls' mouths. Jenny ran some sprints with Charlotte, then stretched. The sound of the school bell drifted from the building, and students and teachers started trickling out onto the sideline to support the team. On the other side of the field, the Rodine girls were in a circle, doing perfect stretches in unison. They certainly looked very good. Their shirts and shorts sparkled in the weak afternoon sunlight. Jenny looked for number eight. She was drinking from a Rodine bottle with her back to Jenny. The girl's long black hair was tied neatly in a perfect plait. There was something very familiar about the hair. Jenny waited for her to turn so she could see her face, but Nancy called the team over. Right, girls, the captain said seriously. Let's start hard and control the pace of this game. It's our home game, so let's go out and win it. They ran out into position. The sideline near the school had filled up, and more supporters were moving round to the far side. Jenny focused on the game. She was playing on a wing. She was fast, if a little small, so could make both penetrating runs and chase down opposition attackers. She was in full concentration mode when the referee blew the whistle to start the match. Let's go, Patcham, James's voice filtered in from the sideline. Go on, Jenny. The centre was taken, and immediately Patcham's attackers pushed forwards. The ball was at Nancy's feet. Jenny timed a run down the sideline, anticipating a pass. Nancy saw the run and chipped the ball ahead of Jenny, a little too close to a Rodine defender. Jenny chased anyway, and the other girl fumbled it, letting Jenny take the ball away and push toward the box. Then Jenny felt a hard impact on her right shoulder, and the next thing she knew she was sliding on her side across the cold, wet ground. She turned the slide onto her front and pulled herself up in one fluid movement. The ball was still in the same place, on the edge of the box. Standing over it, smiling a perfect smile at Jenny, was the neat girl from the pavilion. She was number eight, the star player. Jenny groaned out loud. Foul! Jenny heard Nancy shouting, Ref! But there was no whistle, and number eight took off down the pitch, dribbling easily past Patcham defenders and chipping the ball deftly into the back of the home net. One nil to Rodine. The crowd was silent. Jenny had walked back to the halfway line, and number eight was already there, smiling. So sorry, she said. Hope you're okay. Jenny said nothing. The game went on. Patcham kept pushing hard. They were only one goal down. And rather than scoring any more goals, number eight seemed happy to hang back and watch. Except when the ball went near Jenny, that was. Another pass to the wing, and Jenny was moving fast, ball at her feet. 
There was a defender ahead, so Jenny passed it back to midfield and slowed, ready to wait for another chance. Again, there was a hard impact, and again she went down. Number eight was standing over her, smiling. Come on, ref! Nancy almost screamed at this time. That was off the ball! Still no whistle. Jenny picked herself up, jogged a couple of paces to check she was okay. No broken bones, and no free kick. It was going to be one of those games. Rodine still had the ball. They were passing it around their defence, waiting for Patcham to try and take it. Nancy had had enough, and sprinted forward, predicting a telegraphed pass, and sliding to pick it off just before it reached the Rodine defender's feet. It was a perfect interception, a yard in front of the unwary player. The crowd cheered, and a whistle blew. "'Dangerous play,' said the ref. "'Free kick, Rodine.' "'What?' Nancy shouted. "'I didn't touch her. That's crazy.' "'Yellow card,' the ref said calmly. "'Harassing the referee. Calm down. We don't want to have to send anyone off today.' Nancy was just about to say something else, but Jenny quickly quieted her. "'Don't,' Jenny said. "'We'll never win if we go down to ten players.' The game continued. Every time a Patchen player got near a Rodine girl, the whistle went. Cheers from the crowd turned to boos. The only upside was that with the exception of number eight, the rest of the Rodine girls were not as good as Patchen. And number eight seemed content with shadowing Jenny and making her life miserable. At half-time, the Patchen girls traipsed back to the changing room. No one was in a good mood despite the fact they were still only one nil down. They must have paid the ref off, Louisa said. It's so unfair. Bring it in. Nancy gathered the team together. I don't know what they've done, but I do know that we can't win this thing by retaliation. I know this sounds bad, but I want to play the second half out and not worry about winning. We play them again on Thursday, and we can work out how to win then. I want to switch to a tight defensive zone to make sure they don't score any more. It's boring, but it's all I can think of now. The captain explained her defensive zone plan, giving everyone position in what was effectively a double-layered wall protecting their goal. Remember, no hard tackles. I don't want anyone being sent off. Just contain their players. Jenny cleared her throat. The captain hadn't given her a position in the zone. Uh, what about me? Where do you want me? Keep on doing what you're doing, Nancy said. This only works if number eight doesn't get involved. At the moment, she's busy tormenting you. If we can survive with a 1-0 scoreline, we'll only need to beat them by one on their home turf and we'll win the league. The rest of the team all nodded in agreement. But, Jenny started, she wanted to say that she wasn't happy with being tormented by number eight. Everyone was looking at her expectantly. Okay, she sighed. It was only another half. She could take it. The second half was a slow, painful ordeal. Rodine couldn't break the tight zone without number eight, and number eight was sticking to Jenny like chewing gum. It was a strange deadlock, and even the crowd of teachers and children stopped booing at the referee decisions and just watched silently. Just before the end of the game, Jenny realised that number eight had drifted away from her and toward the ball, which was being passed between two Patcham midfielders. Taking the chance, she made a darting run and waved for the ball. Charlotte saw her and cleared the ball upfield in Jenny's direction. 
It bounced high over a defender who misjudged it. Jenny headed it forwards and ran round the last defender to collect it right in front of Rodine's goal. It was just her against the goalie. Jenny sensed the opportunity to score, but before she could strike the ball, number eight slid in viciously, taking the ball and Jenny's legs from under her. Jenny's left ankle took the brunt of number eight's attack and rolled hard. She heard a crack and felt a sharp pain as she lost balance and fell down, ending up almost on top of the sliding number eight. There were gasps from the crowd, which turned to more boos when the referee's whistle remained silent. Jenny turned over, holding her ankle with both hands, tears streaming down her face. Charlotte and Nancy came running over. Charlotte kicked the ball off the pitch. Number eight picked herself up and walked away, still smiling. You okay? Nancy said. I think I broke my ankle, Jenny said, or sprained it. It really hurts. The two girls helped her up. If she put any weight on her left foot, a terrible pain shot up her leg from the ankle. They carried her to the sideline, where a teacher helped her hop back to the changing room. The final whistle went as she reached the school building. It was not long before the rest of the team trudged in, tired and dejected. They all asked how the ankle was, but one look at the swelling was enough to tell them it was not okay. Jenny couldn't even take her football socks off, it hurt so much. In the end, a teacher called her mum to come and get her. Everyone agreed she needed to see a doctor. She gathered her school bag, and Nancy helped her hobble to reception and wait for her mum. Out of the glass doors, she could see the Rodine players getting into their school minibus. James came into view and stopped by the Rodine players. He was talking to someone. Jenny hobbled along to the next window to see who he was talking to, and was amazed to see it was number eight. She hoped he was giving her a piece of his mind, but when they finished talking, before she got into the minibus, she leaned in and kissed him on the cheek, European style. Jenny couldn't believe it. If her ankle had been working, she would have run outside and punched James for being so stupid. Jenny didn't need a doctor to tell her that her ankle was not going to be better for the match on Thursday, or the dance on Saturday. But she didn't know which was worse, the injured ankle, or being betrayed by her best friend. <laughs>